Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, mindset and media strategist, speaker, and author on gratitude. And I dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this unapologetically authentic and soul-centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a compilation of real talks focused on epic mindset rituals and routines to help you get after your passion and potential. Tune in each Monday for inspirational guests who reveal their mindset must to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, and fulfillment. I'm so excited you're here. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mindset Mashup. I'm really, really happy that you're here today. And by the way, you're going to be so stoked that you tuned in. This is a good one. This is like going to be your favorite podcast of all time. In fact, Jason deemed it the best podcast of all time. (laughs) But you got to tune in to the very end. Literally like the last 10 minutes is where he unpacks the most powerful coaching that he's ever received and it's at the very end. It's 10 words that are truly transformational and will change your life the second that you hear them. It is so good. So make sure you stay tuned all the way to the end because it is so, so powerful. You know, those moments where you hear them and it's so truthful and it so resonates with the deepest parts of your soul that you get the truth bumps everywhere. That's what happened to me. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Now that is why this has just been literally qualified as the best podcast of all time. So make sure that you tune into the very end because it's that good. So let me give you a brief intro because we cover so many nuggets. It's so damn good in this one, you guys. Oh my gosh. Okay. What does an award-winning entrepreneur, a TEDx speaker, a baconitarian, that's a vegetarian who still eats bacon, a funky sock lover, a former rapper who opened for the Wu-Tang Clan, yes, really, and a previously 332-pound man who has since lost over 130 pounds, despite his affinity for bacon, have in common. They're all the same guy. Yep. Jason J.G. Goldberg is an international edutainer. He's author of the number one international bestseller, Prison Break, and creator of the Playful Prosperity and Competition Proof Business Academy programs. He's been a featured expert on media outlets, including ABC, CBS, and Fox, as well as he's been teaching on the Mind Valley and Soul Pancake platforms and creating a business in partnership with NASA and the Space Shuttle program while earning his MBA. Now, JG focuses on blending his signature mix of simple and transformational wisdom, practical business mentorship, and belly-busting humor to help coaches, speakers, and online educators build competition-proof businesses full of impact and influence and They have a ton of fun in the process. He's a sought-after international speaker and host. He shared the stages with incredible thought leaders and innovators in human potential, including Jason Silva, Dr. Sean Stevenson, Vishen Lakiani, Don Miguel Ruiz, Marissa Peer, and so many others, you guys. And by the way, he's been so gracious and generous to offer up 
each one of my listeners a free copy of his latest book, How to Build a Competition-Proof Coaching Business, and the link is in the show notes. So wherever you're listening, you can catch that on my website, michelle-sorrow.com or themindsetmashup.com. It all goes to the same place. You all know that by now. But right there in the show notes, along with his Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook handles, you'll also get access to his website and the link to download your free copy of that book. This is such an epic talk. I'm so excited that you guys are here because it is hands down now one of my very favorite conversations. It's so real. He t- he talks and thinks as fast as I do, which kind of is insane. So get ready for your Nutella flavored coffee. You'll know what that means in just a moment. And uh, <sighs> enjoy my friends. I can't wait for you to meet him. Here we go. Jason Goldberg, welcome to the show. What is going on? Where's my Nutella coffee? <laughs> Jason's referring to us having uh, a coffee the other day. I was so lucky to meet up with you, Jason. And we ordered, well, he ordered Nutella cafe latte. And I'm like, <gasps> blame it on me. Blame it on, like, you didn't want the Nutella. Like, you didn't want the Nutella with the side of coffee in your face. Wait, did, had the dog already bitten my finger? Uh, no, we had just gotten the Nutella coffee and then you got bit. Oh, thank you for remembering the order of sequence because that was a crazy day. So anyway, bottom line is my, I remember thinking later, <laughs> Jason, would we like a little coffee with our Nutella? Because it was damn good. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I don't have Nutella coffee, but I did have a cafe latte from Cafe Lux. And oh my gosh, speaking to the theme, I had these sugar cookies that were sandwiched with Nutella spread inside. Oh, why are you telling me this? I know. Coming from you, the man who lost 132 pounds. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Well, not for long. <laughs> Don't say that. You got to keep it up. That's your whole thing. I know. I'll keep it up. I'll keep it up. Just for you, I'll keep it up. Well, I came across you at the Evercoach Summit, which is uh, something that was put on by the founder and then former president and CEO of Mind Valley. And you were one of the speakers. This was back in September. I've talked about this, that incredible event a few times here on this show. And at that point, you know, I've done a ton of TV work and I've led a lot of classes and teachings, but I had never spoken on a stage. So I was really excited about that idea. And there were a couple of, there were amazing speakers there, no doubt, from all around, you know, I think the world. But there were one or two that really stood out and well, actually three, if I'm really honest. And I've had now all three of you on the show. So Christine Hassler was on, Preston Smiles was on, and now we get Jason Goldberg. You guys are my faves. It was so awesome. You're the trifecta. Save the best for last is what I always say. That's right. And by the way, what is this podcast going to be? Let's declare it right now. So we're declaring right now that this is going to be the best podcast episode that Michelle has ever done ever. And this is not an ego thing. It's not because of me. It's because the co-creation and, and the space that she creates and the conversation we've already had, right? Because this is not the first time we've, we've co-created something because we right. co-created for your mastermind as well. I already know this is going to be like, if you're listening to this right now, mark the date on your calendar as the day everything changed for you. I love it. Well, it's actually not an overstatement. You know how they always say under promise and over deliver? Yes. We kind of just over promise, but we're going to over deliver too. So we're we're going to take that one. We're going to try our best. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know what? You don't even have to listen, you guys. Just start sharing it now. Sharing your Insta story, (laughs) sharing your Facebook. Just say this is the best podcast ever. All caps, exclamation marks, extra emojis. Just be like, hands down, best as for. 
That's amazing. And you know, it's funny though. I will, I want to say something really quickly. So, so like you said, we met for the first time at Evercoach summit and there were a couple hundred people there, but I, and I met a lot of people there. And of course, you know, people want to come up and talk and do whatever. And that's great. But you, your energy really stuck out as being like really pure, really like vibrant, really like just alive and and really genuine and really authentic. So I'm, I'm just so happy that we got to meet there. And now we're getting to co-create and do some other really fun stuff. And so for all those reasons and more is why I know this is going to be an amazing conversation. The best ever. Well, the and best. now I know for sure, because what y'all don't know is, well, you know that I run masterminds, multiple masterminds. And by the way, I'll be keeping you posted because enrollment's about to open on one mm-hmm. of them. But one of my masterminds called the Mindset Mastermind. <laughs> I'm sticking with the theme, the Mindset Mastermind, the Mindset Mastermind. And uh, Jason was gracious enough to come in just last week. So if you're listening in real time, this is February 19th, 2019. And uh, just last week, Jason was the guest for that mastermind. A lot of tech entrepreneurs, executive coaches, very successful tribe. Some startup, but some very seasoned. So I'm always looking for experts to bring into the space to help lift them and, and keep them on track, but elevate them to the next level. And oh my goodness, you guys, that's why I'm excited to just, we're going to dive in real quickly here, but every single person in that group, and we've had some major players, but hands down, no joke, Jason was the fave. And it's because of your energy, Jason. And it's because of the way you came in. You were very clear. You were there to serve, to give, to contribute to the energy that it was already really fired up. I mean, it's a close group and they're very fully self-expressed as you saw yeah, right away. Totally. No shy ones in that bunch. Although they didn't start out that way, but we're halfway through that particular program. So it was really cool because it felt like you were family and it felt like you were one of us from the moment that you came on when we were in a deep hot seat dialogue with someone who was emoting, you know, fairly deeply. And you just came in, you know, cause we weren't quite unpacked there yet. And yeah. you so quiet and gracious. And then you honored that share. And then, and then you boom, hit us with like all your, you know, your amazing nuggets. So you guys are going to love this because it's already been proven with my own circle. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. You tested me elsewhere first. You you know, you did, you cut your teeth on me in another, another place before you introduced me to the bigger group. I I know what you're doing. Well, you know, I had to bet, you know, my (laughs) listeners now they're, they are prepared for the best of the best. And now when you come out two minutes in and you're like, this will be the best. Well, we got some, we got some things to deliver. Let's do it. Let's dive in. Well, let's dive in because I love what you're all about. And I love your, your, your public uh, Facebook group page, which by the way, I've, I've just asked to join. So hopefully you'll approve my membership. <laughs> it's a free membership. I love that place as a starting point because yeah. it's behind the scenes of how to create a competition proof business, which, you know, is really the opposite of what it sounds like. And I'd love to just dive in there because that's all mindset. Yeah, no, totally. So, you know, this is, uh, for me at least, the, the business that I'm in primarily is in, in coaching coaches and, and thought leaders and speakers and online educators. But the same principles that I use with them and, and that's in that free Facebook group that Michelle mentioned is the same thing I do with with really any service-based entrepreneurs. I have other people I work with that are in service-based companies and, and they're owners of small businesses that are service-based and the same principles apply. So mm. when we talk about creating a competition-proof business, I always want to make the distinction that I'm not talking about building a competition-absent business. It's yes. about building a competition-proof business, which means, you know, it doesn't mean that there's nobody else in the world doing what you do. It's mm. that there's no way those people can compete with you. Right. Yes. It's just like a, like a waterproof watch. A waterproof watch doesn't mean it's a watch that water doesn't exist when it's around. A waterproof watch means it can get water on it and it still operates and it's like nothing ever happened, nothing ever changed. So it's, it's resistant to, it's impervious to the water. So I want people to build businesses that are impervious to and not affected by the competition. 
So the way, the way that typically looks or the way that looks in my world is that, listen, there is nobody in the world that's really doing anything that's that revolutionary you know, save uh, Tesla and, and people that are, you know, that have technological innovations or specific, you know, medical companies that have specific medical innovations. There are innovations and technologies of different sorts for sure. But for the other 99% of us that are running businesses that don't have billion dollar R&D budgets, we have to somehow find a way to differentiate ourselves if we want to be successful in this, in this world or in the, in the business world. What I had been conditioned to believe was that the way you differentiate yourself is by having a certain kind of modality or a certain kind of certification or a certain kind of something that makes you better than everybody else, or you compete by having the lowest price, or you compete by having the highest number of followers, or, and this is the worst one in my eyes, is you you win by having these kind of sleazy marketing techniques that will coerce or trick or manipulate people into investing with you. And then once you have their money, you don't really give a crap because you've, you know, you've gotten to your end goal. So how do we instead build a business that makes an impact because that's number one and that also creates, you know, great revenue, great income for the business? How do you do impact and income without competing on price or popularity or these parlor tricks of trying, you know, to manipulate people? And so when I look back, this is not something I did trying to connect the dots looking forward. I fumbled and stumbled through all this. And that's kind of how I discovered it was stopping after I had done it for a while, looking back and said, like, why is this working now when it didn't work before and saying, Mm. oh, I get it. I'm connecting the dots now. And what I started realizing there was that the only true differentiator, and this is going to sound very cliche when I say it, but we can dive deeper. The only differentiator in your business is you. Yes. And the challenge with that is that it's been said by so many people that it becomes very trite. Yes. And it's not enough to say like, be authentic. And that's how you separate yourself. <laughs> just that's be awesome. you. Yeah, what does that not, mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just not good advice because it's not, act- first of all, it's not actionable. Second mm. of all, it's not intentional. Mm. And third, it assumes that you sharing every single bit of yourself is actually of service to the world. Mm. And, and that to me is a pretty egotistical and entitled way to live. If there isn't everything about you that will serve. The key here is if you want to build a competition proof business, in my eyes, and Michelle, you know this about me, but for people that, that are, are new to my world that don't know me, I never will tell you something's right or wrong or good or bad. I'm simply looking at ineffective versus effective or mm. unproductive versus productive. Mm. And, and so what I found is my business seems to be more effective and more productive when I share myself authentically to the extent that it serves the purpose and the people that I'm looking to make an impact for. Mm. And so going all in on that in a very purposeful, aligned, consistent manner, and with a lot of integrity, integrity is kind of like the base ingredient. When all those things are there together, you will end up building a competition-proof business, no matter if everybody else around you is doing the exact same thing that you're doing. I love that. So not looking at whether or not something is good or bad and therefore just judging ourselves and then judging others, right? The results. Because at the end of the day, I mean, okay, this is this is my mindset that things need to be measured, quantified, right? Like that's where you go because you want to know, are you being effective or ineffective, productive or non-productive? So then how do you measure that from this this point of view? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the measure is through impact. And, and here's the here's the challenge is like, you know, there are certain things that are you can measure that don't matter. And there are certain things that matter a lot that you can't measure. Dr. So, Seuss. Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. So <laughs> it sounds very Dr. Seuss, but I, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of a Jew. So it was a Dr. Juice. Um, so, so, you know, I'm not a very good Jew. Hey, wait, like, did you just say you're kind of a Jew? I'm kind, well, I always say I'm Jew-ish. 
Like I'm not exactly a Jew. I'm Jewish because like I eat. No, you know what? I'm going to call you Jewish. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Bad. Like, you know, I'm not a very good Goldberg. My, my grandmother was not happy when I brought home like a blonde haired, green eyed Jewish girl for the first time. I said, (laughs) said, Grammy, that's one for the team. And and she didn't think that was funny at all. Um, So, uh, so, oh my God, this, this is where the interview is going to go. Yes. This is why it's the best. This is why it's the best. So people are so consumed and I want to say something else. Anytime I say people, I always mean myself. Mm. People are so consumed with vanity metrics. Mm. right? And I am not going to lie for a second to say that I don't sometimes post something on Instagram and then pull down and refresh the thing over and over again, seeing how fast the likes go up. And <laughs> I, can, I can use the disguise of, oh no, but I'm, I'm, you know, trying to gather data and seeing how long it takes to get to 200 likes this week versus mm. 200 weeks, you know, 200 likes last week. It's crap. It's, it's all ego stuff, right? So I can measure that. But here's the key thing. There are people that have millions of followers who are struggling to make ends meet in their life financially. And there are people that have 500 followers and they are crushing it in business. That's right. So the question becomes not so much about, and measuring is great. Like you should measure things, especially from a business perspective. You should be looking at your PNL. You should be looking at your profitability. You should be looking at, you know, uh, ways to optimize. You should be looking at your ad expense. You should be looking at labor costs. You should be looking at all these things. Those are important. But the real measure of success in my business, I've always said this, is that I have a true desire to have a seven-figure business. And by that, I mean impacting at least seven figures of people every year, Mm. at least millions of people every year. So what I can say is if I'm showing up in my life and I'm doing the thing that I know is me in my genius zone, me in, in a place where I know I'm being of service and I have the opportunity to do what really lights me up, which is typically teaching and performing and doing things like that. And there's somebody there who reflects back to me that they needed to hear this or was powerful for them, or they've applied it and it's worked for them. Those are the only measures of success that I need. Mm, I love that. Now, in the mastermind call, you talked about LPI. How does that relate here? Yeah, totally. So LPI is like, it's one of my favorite things to play with because here's the thing. We are in an incredible time right now in business. We've gone through the industrial revolution. We've gone through kind of, you know, the tech bubble. And of course, technology and, and, and technological innovation, innovation will always be a thing, or at least hopefully. So we've had all that, all that stuff going on. But now, more than anything, we are in, and I think this is something that Seth Godin said, uh, a connection economy. We are in a connection economy. Yes. And so we're done with the days now where for the most part, for, for 99% of us, the sage on the stage who knows it all is not going to be the one that's getting the most followers and, and, and the, making the most impact. The people who are making the most impact are the ones who take the time to slow down and actually connect with and build relationships with people that are taking the time to engage with them. Because this is something that people online, I think, really miss. And I have so much respect for, this is like one of the highest forms of, of flattery or of, or of gratitude that I can give to people that are out in the world and doing the work that you and I do is when they have a, a, you know, a fairly large or a large following and they're still engaging with those people, they're still responding, they still get what a big deal it is in this day and age and with all the stimulus and, and all of the distractions that we have in our daily life, that people take the time to like or comment or share or get engaged in a conversation with what you share online. That's a big fucking deal. It is. So, so the LPI stands for Leveraged Point of Intimacy. Mm. And a leveraged point of intimacy is something that you're doing on a daily basis. And the something, the what, can be any number of things. 
but it's something you're doing on a daily basis or a very regular, very frequent basis, something that is in the front of mind for you, something that feeds into your singularity of focus, your singularity of purpose that allows you to create a space where you can create more intimacy with the people that are following you. Not to create more distance, not to look even more polished and put out another beautifully edited and produced video where you don't actually have any conversation around it. Not to use social media as a monologue, but to use social media as a dialogue. That right there is what Oprah would say, a tweet, tweet. I have, okay, so (laughs) since you came into the mastermind one week ago, exactly today, I have used that phrase on three different stages and in another podcast interview that I was in. I love it so much, especially because as you know, and by the way, for all you listening, I got a Facebook live challenge happening over on Facebook. It's completely free. There's almost 800 people from all around the world doing it right now. It's 30 days of Facebook lives. Talk about LPI. But I came out yesterday and I I think it was yesterday because I'm out there doing them daily as well with them. And these are for people who want to like bust through their comfort zones and just get more comfortable on camera for whatever that might be for them, right? To leverage the video in a way to communicate. But to the point, communicate. So I came out yesterday and I said, as my friend Jason Goldberg says, let this, now that they've been a few days in, right? But by the way, you can join anytime. You just look up Facebook live challenge. Can you tell I'm talking about it for the first time right now? People should join because people are super scared to do Facebook lives and yet people are doing Facebook lives like crazy in your group. They are. There's about, there's like 750 of them doing Facebook lives every single day, just like a minute, maybe a minute and a half. But because they were five, six days in, some of them, some are on day one right now, I shared your nugget. And I said, listen, for those of you who want the advanced maneuver, you know, start asking a question. And if you can swing it, look over to the right and see who's watching, right? And like begin to have a conversation with them, make it a dialogue so that you're creating intimacy. So thank you for that nugget, because it was a very valuable tip to share this with some of these people who are so brand new, but that's what they do in real life. So just making it be more real life-like so that they're creating genuine connection. And who knows where that will lead, but it will be a game changer if they really embrace that opportunity. So thank you for that because it's key. I watch so many people do videos and I'm like, why are they they acting like they're talking to 10,000 people that they can't see? that aren't like tuned in right there, you know, two feet from their face. It's like, it could be so much more intimate. Yeah. And it's, it's such an opportunity right now because as much as this, and and for, and for those of you listening who are saying like, this sounds like, like really common knowledge and like common sense, that's because you're a human being. It should be common sense. Human beings want connection. Mm. Like this should not be revolutionary for any of you. And it probably isn't. You're probably thinking like, well, yeah, that makes sense, but people still aren't doing it which is the crazy thing. And if you think about it, there's this really interesting study they did, Michelle, and you may have heard of this before, where they were doing this study to figure out what the most opened subject lines were for emails, Mm. right? So they did all the split testing and and I don't remember if it was Kissmetrics or another one of these companies that does analytics. And they took all these emails and and parsed all this data and looked at all the analytics to see which one was most popular and which one had the most, the highest likelihood of being opened. And you'll never freaking guess what it was. The subject line that got the most opens was, you are not alone. <gasps> I just got the chills. But think about that. You are not alone. The fact that people open that speaks directly to how mm. isolated we feel in our lives. Oh, Jason. So I've shared in this podcast quite candidly several times about my before and after demarcation of attending a Tony Robbins event called Date with Destiny. And that was actually really stellar and super deep, dope, the whole thing. The biggest breakthrough that I got was that I had lived my life in such isolation mm. and that I was hiding out and disconnecting on such a rapid and accelerated basis as I got older, that it scared me. And I thought, 
the only thing that could relieve me of this is not living. Like that's how dark it felt in moments, right? When I li- allowed myself to go there and we go there all the time in this podcast, it can go very deep. But the point is, is that when I discovered that it's a human condition, just a bullshit belief that we can sometimes subscribe to is that we are not worthy. And if we're not worthy, we'll never be loved. Well, then it's like, of course we can feel alone in that thought. But then when you realize that humanity is also suffering from that same subscription, then you're like, ah, and somehow you're like, ah, okay, so I'm normal. I'm okay. I can breathe. So it makes sense to me on every level. But yet to know that that's a stat from, you know, an analysis report coming back to that's the most open subject line is not surprising, but yet it still blows me away. Yeah. And, and and that's the opportunity we have. So I want people that are listening to this, and, and I hope there's some people from your Facebook Live Challenge group that hear this too, is that I, you know one of the biggest shifts mm. for me, especially in business, but in general, but especially in business, is shifting from ego to service, mm. right? thousand percent shifting from ego to service. And so when I think about like, oh, I'm scared to do this Facebook Live, or I'm scared to put out this video, or I'm scared to offer my services, or I'm scared to post on Facebook what I'm up to in the world. That is me buying into the fact that I am more important than the potential for connection with other people. That's right. So, so don't do a Facebook Live for you. Screw that. Like, please don't do it for you. Please don't do it to feel more confident. Please don't do it to feel more accomplished. Please don't do it to feel more courageous. Do it because there is somebody out there who is desperately craving some kind of connection. And as much as people talk shit about social media, social media gives us the potential to have connection on a level and on a frequency and, and with a number of people that we could not possibly do only utilizing our our physical world. So please use social media to create a dialogue, not because you should for your business or not because it makes you cool or makes you accomplished or successful, but because you have a duty to do that if you truly care about serving and creating connection with human beings. I love that. And at the same time, by the way, if you do want to crush your confidence, if you want to increase your confidence, you can win for that reason too. You know yes. why I say that, Jason? Because I ask you know, a few questions before you join and you don't have to answer them, but most have. And one of the questions is, is why do you want to join the Facebook Live Challenge? And 90% of the answers were the same. And it was because I want to allow myself to be visible and build my confidence. Mm -hmm. So this was very, very telling to me of, wow, so many of us don't allow ourselves to be seen. We feel alone in that, to your point, right? And so this is a wonderful way to to pierce that video veil, to create and cultivate more communication, more conversation, more connection, and more community, which is what I do believe with this digital revolution that we're all desperate for, right? We're longing for that. So we get it to some degree on social media, but it's like, it just takes it up in the level where you can see someone and feel their energy and get a sense of who they are more fully in the 3D, which is what I love about the whole Facebook Live Challenge and any video correspondence or communication. But yes, I I hear your point, but I I would say that add on two for me. It's like, yes, you want to increase your confidence and also make it be about others and not about you, right? Serve, don't sell. I know you subscribe to that too, but like my whole fundamental shift and where I was able to create a six-figure side hustle working 90 minutes a week is when I realized it wasn't about me. It was Mm. about serving. And what am I serving? I'm only serving love. When I got clear that I'm serving love, then I don't have to second guess myself. I don't have to worry about imposter syndrome. I don't even have to worry about quote unquote credentials. I got love. I know how to do that. Oftentimes really well. Sometimes I suck, you know, but (laughs) when I suck at it, it's like, how am I treating myself? I'm treating myself pretty shitty right now. Not loving myself hard enough. 
not accepting myself beautifully exactly as I am. And then guess how I'm going to treat others. Anyway, so this whole thing is so good. But on those days where I'm feeling really shitty, if I go and do a live on that day and share from that point of view and in service of others, also maybe being able to relate, ah, it's my most downloaded, most shared, most engaged Facebook lives is when I'm super vulnerable and real. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants the polished and perfected person. There's too much distance there. They yeah. can't relate to it. And, and we, we need, again, it goes back to connection. Like connection comes from relatability, right? We don't, yes. I, so you don't feel connected to watching a rapper get into a Bentley. There's just, there's just no connection to that, right? It's like, you may look at it and say, oh man, it'd be so cool to have a Bentley, but you don't feel like there's no empathetic connection. There's no like, oh, I really feel their heart. I really get what they're about. Like, no, you don't, there's nothing there because it's polished and it's perfect and it's, and it's ideal. It's what they want you to see. But when you look at people who are not polished, and actually I just wrote something about this recently, actually I think it may have even come out today on one of the platforms, is that back when I was in my technology days, I spent 15 years in technology before I became an entrepreneur and launched a couple other companies before I became a coach and a speaker. But back in my corporate days when I was in technology, I partnered up and worked a lot with Cisco, which is one of the biggest, not the thong song guy. Uh, uh, Cisco. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be clear. Yeah, just to be clear, uh, the advanced networking technology, you know, huge multi-billion dollar company. Right. And when I was in that world is when the whole voiceover IP movement had really started. Like Vonage had taken off on the on the, the, the consumer side, but on the commercial side, Cisco was like dominating the, the market on being able to make phone calls over the internet. Mm. And so I would be a part of the teams that would design and deploy these systems in hospitals and banks and everything else and connect them over, you know, all kinds of different geographic boundaries. And they would be spending anywhere from six to seven figures to have these systems installed. And then a problem started arising. And the problem that started arising is that this technology was so good. It was so crystal clear mm. that it was, it was so crisp on the line that people who were using the phones inside the company thought they were getting disconnected from each other because there was no background noise, <laughs> right? It was too perfect. So mm. Cisco, this multi-billion dollar company went back and started artificially injecting or injecting artificial white noise, mm. very, very low levels of artificial white, white noise that you wouldn't even notice. You wouldn't like hear it necessarily, but it's there just so people would be able to relate to the technology and use it the way they always had. Wow. And that was such a beautiful lesson for me that even the thing that we think is the most perfect and polished, it's not going to serve people because they can't relate to it. When we share the messiness, when we share the imperfection, and even more than that, when we share that we're still taking steps forward, despite the messiness and the imperfection, mm. that's what connects to people. That's what inspires people. That's what gets people into action. Totally. You and I are in the exact same page. And I love that. And I was just saying the other day on this podcast, the other day it was probably like four weeks ago, but it was nobody's looking for perfect. They're looking for real. Right. Yeah. And that's the exact same thing that you just said. Although a Tesla does sound pretty good and it's quiet. Like I imagine driving a Tesla. It's on my bucket list. Driving a Tesla would be like, you're wondering if the car is on. You know, when like you've heard of like moms who have a newborn baby or dads and they like put their ear next to their mouth to see if they're breathing because they're so yeah. quiet. I'm yes. not saying. Anyway, Same. Exactly. Okay, I digress. <laughs> I love that. It's so true though. But speaking of social media, I mean, I love that up to date. And I think some things are changing because you're rapidly growing, but you're a multiple six figure earner, but you've done pretty much everything, as far as I can see anyway, on social media and organically. No paid ads, no paid advertising or marketing, which is what I'm all about right now. And I know things will eventually have to shift as well. But um, I'm very proud of that because it proves that it can work if you genuinely serve, get out of your own way and let it be about others, not yourself. And you have something that is a value. 
right? Like you're offering something that's truly of a value and you can make an impact. But how do you balance that? Being high t- as high touch as you are, which is what I pride myself on being as well. And what that might cost you in terms of downtime, vacations, relationships. I mean, is there an answer for you there? Yeah, I mean, I think there is that that's something I was really concerned about uh, in the beginning, because just like you said, like high, very high touch, very mm-hmm. intimate, it's it's important to me. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and I always say, and this is, you know, back from my non coaching entrepreneurial days, when I was in like the, you know, the quote, real entrepreneur world, which this is the real entrepreneur world, too, but the yes, customary traditional entrepreneur world, where you go out, and you raise money, and you have a traditional startup, what we would always hear from investors and from mentors and everybody else is nail it and scale it. Right. So really like nail it, meaning like nail your product, know what you're about, get the, you know, get the testimonials, make sure, you know, it's a good product. It's actually making a difference and then do whatever you need to do to scale that, to reach the the masses. And and typically again, in startups, they're talking about reaching certain revenue goals for me in in this business. It's all more about impact than it is about revenue. So, so we want to scale that. So once it comes to scaling, which is the place that we're in now, we've already nailed it. Now we're scaling it. Now we're starting to do paid ads really for the first time, just to be able to reach more people. And so that does require us to take a step back and say, okay, listen, there is a level of, uh, and this is something very well known in my team. We are obsessed with client astonishment. Mm. Okay. Obsessed with client astonishment where, where my team will tell you there will be the littlest things. And I'm so blessed. And we talked about this when we met last, I'm so blessed to have the team that I have and that they have the same heart that I do. I mean, not literally, cause that would be weird, but they have the same heart that I do. They have the same energy that I do. They have the same focus on service that I do. So they don't get upset with me when I do this, but like the littlest thing, like for example, I got obsessed a few weeks ago because we had a start of one of our programs and we have, you know, an introduction thread in the Facebook group. And there was one person who had not introduced themselves yet. And it had been like, I don't know, 12 hours or something and they hadn't introduced themselves and everybody else had. And I immediately sent a WhatsApp to the, to, to the team, to, to my two team members and said, we have to make sure we watch this because if too much time goes by between the time the group starts and they're introducing themselves and this other person who hasn't introduced themselves gets in there and does the same thing, there's going to be a disconnect for them. There'll be a gap and then they'll feel like they're the only one out. Exactly. We don't want them to feel like they're the odd person out. And of right. course, you know how this goes. The longer you wait to do something, the harder it becomes to do totally. it. And, and it's just all this stuff. And I, I was obsessed with wanting every single person that comes in. And we have a lot of different mechanisms in place to make this happen. But I want to make sure everybody coming in feels just so loved and so safe. And like they know they're in the right place. They know they're with the right tribe. And so we focus on that obsessively, right? And, and this person ended up doing a, a great intro and they were so excited to do it. And it was wonderful. And now they're all part of the fray. But the question becomes, well, great. How do you do that when you go from serving, you know, 10 people to serving 10,000 people? Right. And, and, and that was something that I was really fearful of. And, and it actually got to a point where I said, you know what? I don't know that I can actually scale my business because I really do not want to lose that high touch. I don't want to lose the ability to really like know what's going on in people's worlds. And what finally happened after I, you know, I had to kind of loosen my own grip on, on what I thought needed to happen. And I had to be willing to be wrong about the way my business looks and, and the way it looks to, you know, to give a shit about, about our people that we work with. And two things came to light for me. Number one was that I need to make sure that I am hiring the right team, right? Because service at that level scales, as long as everybody is on board with that level of client astonishment right? So I need to have people that are essentially me in energy, in spirit, and in heart, right? They don't have to be me in skill set. They don't have to be able to teach the stuff the way I teach it or coach the way I coach, but they have to be able to support people and, and hold space for people the way that I would do it. 
Hmm. And so that has been the biggest thing that we've been recognizing here that we can definitely scale the business, but it's going to require that we have people on the team that can do that at that level. And so we've been really happy to be able to do that. The second thing is to recognize that there are certain, it's just inevitable. There are certain things where when people pay to work with me, they're never paying for information right? There's information available to them always because there's, you know, videos or there's whatever, but they're not paying for the information because the information is not enough. And you've probably heard this. If information is all we needed, we have billion dollar businesses, six pack abs and perfect relationships, right? It's, it's not just the information. There's something more than that. So what I actually charge for is I charge for intimacy and I charge for transformation, right? So that is just going to mean by default that the people that I can serve the most deeply, the people that I can be the highest touch with are the ones that are willing to invest the level where I can give them that level of intimacy. And the ones that can't, we are going to set up everything that we can in our being to be able to continue to serve them. Like having a Facebook group where I can do Facebook lives and I can interact with people like posting on Instagram and and responding to comments that come in there. Whatever we can do to still have intimacy with people, that's great. And the people that want to have a deeper level of intimacy, we want to make that available to them by investing at a deeper level. Yes, totally makes sense. Can I ask a question about the, the first part of these this two-prong answer, yeah. which I appreciate the depth and thoroughness of it so much. So, because I know a lot of my listeners are either in startup or they're in season mode, but everybody's needing to scale on some level, right? And it's the how. It's like, oh, how do I do that? I was just going through that, as you know, Jason, and I've shared here on this podcast, I hired three different sets of VAs and assistants, even my own sister, and none of it really worked out. My sister was awesome. It's just that we got put in Facebook jail like three different times for her going too fast. And and then I got kicked out completely because they thought someone had hijacked my account. And so I hadn't done that properly. So all these things we learn as we go, right? So that brings me to my first question on your first answer. When you're scaling your team and you've chosen the right people who can most emulate you, right? In heart, mindset, et cetera. Do you let your groups know either more deeper invested or the free Facebook group know that you've got the team. So when they see someone come on, you know, you're two different team members. Do they know it's them? They're not like trying to pretend that it's you, right? Right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. No, we, yeah. We do the opposite. So, and, and this is something that I, I was doing a little bit of before, not really realizing it. And now I've told my team that this year, this is something we're going to do much more purposely mm. is that I am committed to building the quote brand of the people that work for me. Mm, right. So it's not just going to be like, Oh, Hey, if you see Tanya and Brian, just know they're on my team. It's like, when you see Tanya or Brian, you should be as excited as when you see me. Yes. I love that. So that's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to bring them in, to do a thing. We did this thing a few weeks ago where I brought, uh, so Tanya and Brian are my, my main core team, but then there's another person, Cindy, who's one of our internal coaches in our, our highest level program. So she's one of the people that coaches the, the one-on-one coaches, the people that are in our group program. And so the four of us got together on a live inside of my Facebook group. Awesome. I interviewed them like about them. Yes. Right? Like, I want, I want to show them off. And so that's something we're doing much more intentionally. And there's this thing where I think a lot of people think like, oh, but if I do that and like, you know, they get a name, then they may want to go off on their own and do their own thing. Like, God bless them. They should right. go off and do their own thing. And when they do, who do you think they're going to give credit to for building them up, for giving them this confidence, for giving them this platform, for teaching them what they taught them, for giving them the opportunities that maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise? Mm. It's going to come back to you anyways. Like it's, it's a win-win situation to take everybody that's around you and lift them up to your level or above. Yes. Oh, I love that. So now when they do come into the group, are they under their own name or does it say like Team Jason? 
They're under their own name. Okay. Yeah, and, and there are some people who will put like, so let's say, for example, Tanya, she would have a Facebook page called Tanya slash Team JG or Tanya from Team JG. And you can do that. And, and that for some people, that's good. I've seen people that have, you know, really large businesses. I don't know if it, it feels like it gives them more of a sense of like professionalism or it's easier to find the people who are, you know, if you have like 20 support people, maybe it's easier so people don't have to remember, wait, is it Jennifer Smith or Jennifer Thompson that works on Team JG? Uh, so I think if you have a much larger team, then maybe that works. But if you just have a few people, and it's not that big of a business. And by the way, you can have a seven-figure business with two or three people working for you. You don't have to have a massive team. No, totally. You got to work smarter, not harder. Totally, totally. So yeah, so for, for when you're still small, I say just let them use their own name and make sure you're really showing them off so people know who they are. Okay, I love that advice because you will like hearing this, especially based on our conversation on Saturday where I drilled you like, oh my gosh, okay, what about this? Because I'm at the place where, okay, I feel like I've nailed a lot in my coaching business and the masterminds and all the events and courses and, and programs that I've got going on. But I'm in critical, dire, straits, overwhelm, <laughs> need, must have yesterday help. Yep. So I got clear on that this morning. Like, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm no longer going to, and my listeners know, subscribe to my favorite flavor of suffering, which has been overwhelmed mm. anymore. That's it. I'm done. I, I broke out of the prison. So as fate would have it, I ended up hiring someone who was my mentee. So it was perfectly nice. Yes. She's also been and is in one of my paid masterminds right now. And she's been incredible and people love her. And she just happens to be right for it. So we're, we're very, very excited. Delia Faulkner, by the way, everyone will get to know her. But I was literally having the thought today of, do we create a Team Michelle profile so Facebook doesn't kick us out? Or do we just allow her to go in as her, but she's highlighted and profiled. But now I know for sure I'll go with the latter. So you're teaching me right now. And, and hopefully, if you're teaching me, this is landing for so many listening, because I think transparency is everything. Don't try to pretend like it's something that it's not. Let it all hang out. Honor it. Like, put it on a pedestal and be like, she's basically my right arm. This is my girl and treat her as if you would treat me and let's all have fun. Like it's just the more the merry, there's an abundance here of support. Absolutely. And you also touched on something that's really powerful, I think, in the hiring process. So the same principles that work for building a competition-proof business is the same way that I've been so blessed to be able to hire these three people that are now on my team. Mm. And it's, it's by showing up, like the exact things that, that I would teach somebody about how they show up online and how they share their content and, and how they you know, get really clear on their message and how they, they authentically share themselves and are fully self-expressed to the extent that it serves the people that they're wanting to serve doing those things is exactly what brought me every single person on my team. Oh my gosh. I love that. So it's yeah. like, instead of stressing ourselves out of like, oh gosh, I've got to like post all of these credentials and all of these job titles and duties and, you know, on LinkedIn or on, you know, ZipRecruiter or whatever, which just the thought of that stressed me out. Cause I'm like, well, if I forget something or whatever, or I've never done this cause it's all new for me. I've never hired in this realm. I've hired in the past in my real estate career, but I knew exactly what I needed because I had been down the road and knew, okay, you know, paperwork coordinator, um, escrow officer, title rep, loan officer, all those people I had in place because I couldn't do all of it. But in this world, it's all still unknown, right? Where am I going with all of this? I just know that I need support to do the things that I can't do that I have to manage so that I can then begin to create more. But yet I want it to be so high touch and I never want the client to ever miss a beat. 
And that's the most important thing for me is that they know that they're so well attended to, but it happened organically just the way you described it. She's been in the group. I met her at a big event called Business Mastery by Tony Robbins six months ago. I loved her spirit. And then I've gotten to know her and she's been my mentee. And so the few things that we have a monthly call one hour and because I recognized her as someone who, you know, was doing the work. She was a hard worker. She had strong ethics. She had a beautiful soul. Everything just worked. And so my coach, my business coach, introduced me to her at Business Mastery and said, hey, maybe she'd be someone that you would want to mentor. And I've mentored many people, but this was a really good fit. And what I loved is that no matter what, you know, suggestions I'd give, I didn't say you have to do this. She's like, hey, here's an idea to be more effective, to be more productive. And she would take it on. And then she'd experience incredible results. So she was very coachable. And that was another big piece for me of, and you planted this seed at lunch on our coffee, Nutella, really, Nutella. on Saturday, <laughs> Nutella, which I want everyone to listen to in this moment because it was really powerful for me when you said, you know, through hiring and then firing, if that's the case, because you learn as you go, there's a real art to it. You know, you started discovering things that you knew you needed, but you wouldn't have known unless you could look back and connect the dots, i.e. saying to your team members, hey, you could be super focused on one project that I give you, but then another project's going to come up. And I need to know, are you able to swiftly move into action in the next project on a dime, right? And if someone can do that, boom, they're going to be great with you. But if they can't do it, all good. No judgment, just not going to be as good of a fit. Exactly. That was paramount for me today as I was having this conversation with her. I was like, okay, I don't know when this will happen, but I need to make sure I put it out there as an outlier. And she's like, oh girl, all day long, I'm yours. What do you need? And I was like, okay, awesome. And, and that's and that's also the beauty. I think a lot of times that takes care of itself when people have been following your work or, or in your case, you know, if you're mentoring them, like I think people get a sense of you where when you ask a question like that, it would be odd to not get an affirmative response because <laughs> they kind of know what they're getting. Like, again, if you're sharing yourself authentically and being fully self-expressed to the extent that it serves the people you want to serve, then there's very rarely a surprise when you talk to somebody about what you're looking for as an employee. Right. So if somebody like if somebody came in interview with me and, and I would say to them, like, listen, I, you know, I need you to be really low energy. Uh, <laughs> I need you to be like real stoic because I need you to match me. They would be like, wait, wait what? what are you yeah. talking about? So so when I say like, hey, you know, we're fast, we're high energy, we're fast paced, like we're moving around a lot. We have a lot of irons in the fire. They go, well, yeah, duh. I've been following you for you know a year. I know how you operate. And then it's not a surprise. And so when I tried to hire in the beginning, the first couple of people that I hired, it was a, you know, I'm going to go on Upwork or I'm going to go on Fiverr or I'm going to randomly see this person on Facebook who seems to be an online business manager for somebody else and I'm going to reach out to them. And it was all this like push kind of feel instead of pull kind of feel. Mm. And so I want my hiring and my client creation to all be a pull where they are pulled towards me based on the way I show up in the world and not a push where I need to convince them or, you know, become the Mossad and and dig into their, you know, their deepest feelings and, and how they operate to figure if we're a good fit. So, so brilliant right there, guys. That is why this is the best podcast episode ever in the mindset mashup, but of all time, any podcast anywhere. Yes. We're almost wrapping up. There was something that you talked about in the mastermind the other night where I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up. You were talking about your number one best-selling book, Prison Break, which is on Amazon. You guys can find it virtually anywhere. It's got unbelievable reviews. It's such a great quick read and it's deeply powerful. But you said something about the premise of that. That book. We haven't rehearsed this, so you might not know what I'm thinking because you can't actually, in fact, read minds. But um, as far as, as, far as you know, I mean, mind, what do you think I'm about to bring up? Uh, 42. 
Is that the number you were thinking? No. <laughs> Is that how old you are? Uh, no, no. I just turned 39 a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you're a baby still. Uh, you don't baby. need a colonoscopy yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a couple of years. I just had one. Oh, um, that's so It was fun. so fun. I did an Insta story around it and everything. Okay. Wait, around it, meaning like where it went in or you mean around uh, the situation? Good, good question. I like the distinction. Actually, no, I did a whole intro of my GI doc and then he had a video as he does for all of his patients. And then we showed an 11 second clip of the camera inside the colon and he did find a precancerous polyp, which is why we do these things. So basically it was a public service announcement to encourage more and more people, especially that follow me because we're all around the same age in our forties now. And my grandmother on my dad's side did die of colorectal cancer and it's now become more of an epidemic than ever, blah, blah. So if anything, guys, as you're listening today, the reason why this is the best podcast episode is because now you're going to go schedule that colonoscopy. It wasn't a big deal. And then we did the whole post-op conversation where I'm all loopy and totally high, which is hilarious. And <laughs> disclosing to my mother that I have a crush on the doctor and he's married and oh my God. And then, and then he comes out and I'm like, that was so fun. <laughs> and my mom who was there and she's like, only you would say that was fun. But he, speaking of being transparent and being real and serving, that was all service, right? Yeah. My, my doctor got three patients that scheduled colonoscopies within 24 hours because of my Insta story. That is who knows? We could have literally saved lives or prevented some some nasty things happening. So but, the point is, is that video works anywhere. Um, it really does. It really, okay. really does. Anyway, but you are not in your 40s, so you do not need that yet. But no, it was when you said, your mindset back in the day was not unlike many people's mindsets. Who can I blame? And this is just the way that I am. Yeah. When you talked about that and then the antidote of that and now where you lead from because of that prison break, yeah, it was absolutely. it was like truth bumps, chills, hairs in the back of my neck. And we all felt it. The group connected in a way where, again, that's why you became the favorite. Uh, I want to discuss that here for a couple of minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, the premise of the book, uh, Prison Break, is that at any given moment, we can either be a prisoner of circumstance where our happiness or our sadness is completely contingent upon outside circumstances mm. uh, that I, I am completely affected by the economy or who's in the White House or the song on the radio that reminds me of my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> like, I, I'm just, I'm just this, this weak, flailing tree that's just in the wind, just being knocked around by life. And I'm just like hoping and praying and hunkering down that the wind will, will go past me and I'll still be left standing afterwards. And that was essentially the way I approached the majority of my life wow. for the first 30 years of it. Maybe wow. save the first five or six years. Maybe until I got in the first grade, I was like right. super happy. But then, you know, all the shit gets layered on top and, and we start forming this, you know, conditioning and this mindset. And then it kind of becomes, it starts to become much easier to access the disempowering mindset than it does to access the empowering mindset. And so what I finally realized through lots of coaching and lot of, lots of introspection and more than anything, lots of practice, because, you know, uh, you know, transformation is something that I say is both instant and lifelong, right? Mm. You, you can see what's possible in an instant, but it requires lifelong practice, right? You Absolutely. never finish personal growth any more than Michael Jordan finished practicing his jump shot or Steve right. Jobs, you know, finished practicing innovation with Apple. Like you don't finish that kind of thing. It's a day by day, moment by moment choice. And so when I really started to realize that there was a, a different way, again, going back to the beginning, a more effective way mm. to live my life, not right or wrong, but a more effective way to live my life and started seeing that that's something I'm able to practice moment by moment. 
that I can stop being a prisoner of circumstance and instead really step into this place of self-leadership, mm. right? And self-leadership is about owning my experience. Doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean I'm controlling my experience, but owning my experience, yes. taking radical personal responsibility that there's something I'm doing or not doing, something I'm thinking or not thinking, something I'm open to or close to, something I'm willing to or completely against that is creating the experience of life that I'm creating. And as long as I can see that from an innocent and neutral place where I'm not trying to say, oh, you idiot, I can't believe you're being such a prisoner. And now I'm trying to use blame and shame and obligation to get myself to do something empowering, which is ridiculous. It would be like putting French ingredients in a pan and hoping for a Mexican you know, meal at the end, uh, <laughs> it made up of the thing you want it to be at the end. And when I realized like, oh, if I start showing up moment by moment with even 5% less seriousness, Mm. 5% less of an attachment to everything needing to be my way, 5% less of this victim mentality, of this prisoner mentality, what could be possible? Like if I really knew that I was the most creative human being that was ever born Mm. and I was faced with some circumstance, I wouldn't complain about the circumstance. I would look in the mirror and say like, let's see what this puppy can do. Like, Mm. let's see what I'm made of. And Mm. then I would get to work. And so that is kind of that distinction on a moment by moment basis. Again, not from shame or blame. I still have plenty of prisoner moments Mm. because it's a moment by moment thing. The difference now is that when I have a prisoner moment, it takes me much, a much shorter amount of time to say, oh, you're having a Britney Spears moment where I say a (laughs) thought pops in your head. You take it seriously. You start becoming a prisoner and you go, oops, I did it again. (laughs) And, And you, and you realize what's going on. That window of time has shrunk for me now. And so I can admit to myself, oh, you are choosing to be a prisoner in this moment. And sometimes, and here's the funny thing, Michelle, that most personal growth quote gurus won't, won't admit is that they say, oh, well, I realize I'm a prisoner and then I shift into self-leadership. Bullshit. Sometimes <laughs> I realize I'm a prisoner and I go, you know what? I'm going to be a fucking prisoner for a little while because that's what I want to do right now. I want to indulge I, in that, right? Yeah, but I don't blame it on circumstance. I take full responsibility that I am choosing to be a prisoner for as long as I choose to be a prisoner until I'm ready to make that shift back out. Break out of it. Break out. And it's so beautiful. And I love that when you say that you're not trying to control the circumstances or in the environment or the situation, you're just owning your reaction to it. You're taking 100% responsibility for your experience of it. Byron Katie, who I know is one of your favorite mentors and also mine, which makes me love you that much more and your family, is when she talks about when you argue with what is, that's what insanity is. Right. So it's like, how can you just look at it differently? And she's got, of course, the four questions called the work, which I utilize all the time. Is it true? Is it absolutely true? (laughs) Right. And who do I become when I think that thought is true? And how would it be if it weren't true? What would I feel like? What would that life look like? That's the prison break, so to speak, right? Just to paraphrase it under the umbrella of one of our mutual favorite mentors. But it's that same concept. It's like we can choose how to react and then not judge when we are in full on radioactive, you know, the world is melting down. It's everyone else's fault. I can do that too. Like I flipped somebody off recently. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was all <laughs> caught up in, you know, in whatever I was in and I'm like, whoa, what was that? And then I'm like, okay, talk to myself like a five-year-old. You were stressed. You were attaching, being late to this. And then what would that mean? And then what does it mean about you and judging yourself and taking yourself so seriously? You know, and then I was like, ah, oh, talk myself through that. And like you said, it now happens much quicker. But then there are days I'm like, I got to lay down for like two hours and call off everything and not treat the one email that I haven't responded to like it's a freaking national crisis, you know? 
It's like, because I put that pressure on myself sometimes. Like I want to be so high touch and I have these expectations that are so unrealistic to maintain at all times. And it's like, what about allowing myself to be human and breaking free from that mindset that it has to be perfect. And what is that anyway, right? Only to one model of the world. There's a million, there's in fact, seven and a half billion of them, you know, and letting myself off the hook and just honoring what I need, what I need. And sometimes it's to fully indulge in feeling righteous or stressed or overwhelm my favorites, you know, or just letting it go and be like, ah, oh, wait, that's right. The world is kumbaya. I love everyone. There's no such thing as you know, like I can live in both worlds. It looks a little bipolar, not going to lie to some who are out there watching at times, but those who really know me know that ultimately I'm always just trying to get back to center. And, and that's all it is, right? That's, that's all it is. And, and the sooner we can, and this is something that, you know, Byron Katie's obviously amazing at, and for anybody listening who hasn't checked out her work, make sure you go check her out. But she really helps to make our thoughts innocent. Mm, and and yeah. if, we look at it, if we look at it as, you know, for example, what, the, the metaphor that I like to use all the time, and I, I teach it, but I use it for myself more than anything, is imagine, you know, when you're, when you're running low on gas in your car and the little light on your dashboard starts flickering saying that you need more gas, you would never look at the car and look at that indicator and say, you stupid car, like you piece of shit car. Like, why, why do you need gas? Like, why did I even buy you? Like, what a, what a piece of crap you are. How dare you need more gas in your tank? Right. Like, we would never say that to a car because the car is just saying, hey, just so you know, uh, the thing that typically keeps you moving forward, we're a little low on that right now. And so when you get a chance and when you're ready, it's probably a good idea to do what you need to do to fill that back up again. Oh my and, God, and the Jason, other thing, yeah, the other thing the indicator doesn't do, the indicator doesn't wait until you're out of gas and stuck in the middle of the highway. It lets you know when you have 30 or 40 miles right. worth of, of travel to go, right? You still have two or three or four gallons left. So it gives you a very, very clear upfront warning to let you know, hey, something's a little off, something's a little low. And that is what our thoughts and our feelings are always doing for us. Mm. They're simply trying to let us know with ample time, if we're honest with ourselves, that there's something a little bit off and it may be a good idea to figure out something in this moment we can do that brings us 5% closer to something. Oh my God. I love that. That just cracked my heart wide open in a deeper way. Like it's so beautiful. It's so gracious. Right. And if that's who, if that's really underneath and it's what I believe and my listeners know, I love having this conversation. It's so deeply personal and it's so, I think, highly truthful, at least for me, which is that we're always just trying to come back home. And home is this pure, beautiful, innocent soul that would never hurt ourselves with our thoughts, our deeds, our actions, our reactions, you know? But it's like when you notice that you're beginning to feel a little fragmented, a little less gentle, a little less generous, a little less spacious in your energy, then that could be a warning sign, right? That could be that really cool indicator on the gas tank saying, or what do you call it? The gas gauge saying, Hey, you're getting a little low. You're not quite yourself right now who you really are. So you might want to tune into that. You might want to unplug and recharge. Absolutely. And just and, that, that oh, self acceptance. It's, it's so beautiful. And there was, I'll, I'll tell you something really quickly. Yeah. It's, it's the, the most power. Let me tell you, this is the most powerful coaching I ever received. Can I tell you the most powerful coaching I ever received? You waited till the end of the best <laughs> podcast of all time. Yes, please. I'm all ears. Perfect. So when you, so when you, when you're, when you're putting this episode out, say, make sure you stay tuned to the end for the most powerful coaching that Jason <laughs> ever received. So it's perfect. Okay. So here's the thing. So my coach, a guy named Steve Chandler, we've been coaching for years together. And I'll, and I'll coach I have him. his book. 
Yeah, yeah. Prosperous so, coach. Yes. Yeah, he's absolutely incredible. He's written, the guy's written like 40 books and he didn't start writing until he was in his 40s. Wow. So like the fact that he's written like that many books in the, and he's 72 now. So wow. in 30 years, he's written like 40, 45 books. He just wrote another one, just came out, just got it in the mail. So he and I have been coaching for years and he said 10 words to me mm. that completely blew my mind. And literally, if I never got coached ever again, I could just have these 10 words. I literally could charge people $10,000 to have one single session and say this one sentence to them. And if they really live this one sentence for the rest of their lives, they would never probably need coaching again. This is a massive setup. I'm so ready. So here's what happened. I sent him this email and this email was this long email. Just I was complaining and I was scared and I'm like, Steve, I don't know what to do about this. And this feels so overwhelming. I don't know how to fix this issue. And I don't know to do about this client and I want to invest money in this thing, but what if it doesn't work and I waste all this money? Mm. And, I, and literally it was like a two or three page long typed uh, type email. So I sent him this email and it has all of this despair, all of this overwhelm, all of this story. Yeah. All the story, all the stress, all the seriousness, all the struggle. And he writes me back an email literally with 10 words. Mm. And the 10 words are so much compassion for what you are putting yourself through. <gasps> Whoa. Done. 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 And when he said that, when that was the email, that, and I still have it, I will keep that email forever. When he said that to me, I woke up, because that's what it was. I was sleepwalking. I woke up to the fact that there is literally nothing that I was experiencing in that email that came from outside of me. Nothing. I was putting all this pressure on myself and I didn't need to overcome it. I didn't need to fight through it. I didn't need another skill set to make it happen. All I needed to do was understand that if I had a little compassion for what I was choosing to put myself through, mm. it would all start lifting. And all of a sudden, these problems wouldn't be so significant. And all of a sudden, I would regain access to my creativity. If I wanted to figure out a way to make my investment in that thing work, I would slow down and figure out a way to make that investment work. If I wanted to figure out what to say to this client that I wasn't sure what to say, I would go to them and say, I'm not sure what to say to you, but here's what's bothering me about our relationship. Mm -hmm. All of these super simple, easy, straightforward things that I would be able to do when I had access to that high level of consciousness just isn't available to me when I'm stuck in my own thinking. Oh, he literally, and that's, did he even sign his name? I don't think he did. Steve doesn't do that. <laughs> he didn't need to. He, he, it was so, such a conscious coaching moment, yeah. right? And yeah. that you, were, you were consciously coachable in that moment. It was just, it was a perfect storm of, of an absolute divine breakthrough so that you could be transformed. Absolutely. Thousand percent. So much compassion for what you are putting yourself through. That could be nine words if you apostrophe uh, the your. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, he's, not as, he's not as efficient as he could be. For a writer, he should be. Right, more. right. Come on. But still, 10 words. So much compassion for what you are putting yourself through. Yep. Ooh. And by the way, I would just say right now, right? It doesn't mean you're going to do it forever. But right now, if you can take ownership over it, you're putting yourself through that. So I just went through that, right? And that's why I decided this morning, that's it. I'm done. I'm no longer going to put myself through this because it's not worth it. It's costing me a social life. It's costing me a potential mate one day. Oh my God. It's costing me time with my family. You know, I looked at a video of my dad over Christmas yesterday and I just started to cry. And I'm like, I miss my dad. He's called me three times in the last three weeks and I haven't been able to call him back. No, you haven't called him back. You just haven't called him back. You made other things a priority. So if I'm really real about that, so, so much compassion for what I'm putting myself through. By the way, you can, you can turn that sentence on yourself, right? Totally. Totally. You don't have to have someone else tell you that. Um, you can Absolutely. pay Jason $10,000 if you'd like. <laughs> yes. that. But but it's like, 
if you find yourself trapped in that prison, in that mindset, then just ask yourself or tell yourself like you would a five-year-old that you care about, right? Who knows no better in that moment? Wow, I have so much compassion for what you're putting yourself through right now. Yeah, it's an exercise I actually do. So oh, in, order, in, order to, so in order to separate myself, uh, you know, capital S, in order to separate myself yes, from yes. My, my story of myself, then when I, when I am getting in that mode now, as a result of that email that he had sent me, I, I decided to kind of make this exercise where if, when I'm in that place, I'll look in the mirror and say, I'm so sorry I'm putting you through this. Oh, that's so good. Because it separates me because the ego and, and the reason that it can, and, and Byron Katie talks about this all the time, the ego is very, very good at outsmarting us. So, so if I just say to myself, like, you know, Jason, I want to, I want to show you compassion right now. The ego of Jason says, fuck off. So mm-hmm. if instead I look in the mirror and there's somebody else that I'm saying it to, and that somebody else happens to be me, I can kind of zoom out. It's almost like an out of body experience to get like super mm-hmm. woo woo is what it feels like. It's like this out of body experience where I'm looking down, like mm-hmm. I am just the consciousness that resides inside of Jason Goldberg. And I can look at the body form of Jason Goldberg and say, I'm sorry that I'm putting you through this. Mm-hmm. And that separation between the two of us allows it to really land at a much mm-hmm. deeper level. I love that. That is just so beautiful. And by the way, now that perfectly represents how you opened up the mastermind conversation when you said, I'm half woo, half do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and by the way, I completely resonate. And I know most of my listeners do as well because they wouldn't have been magnetized to this podcast and still be listening and growing like crazy right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. If they also didn't subscribe to this deeper level consciousness and conversation that really is at the core of everything we want to create, right? If we can't self regulate and get our emotions, you know, mastered. And it doesn't mean it has to be perfect. It just means understanding that we are solely responsible for all that we put ourselves through, right? Then how are we going to get after all those other things that we say we want? You know, prosperous careers, loving relationships, you know, the intimacy, the health, all that stuff. It's all an inside job. Absolutely. Thousand and that's where your genuine transformation has has happened, which is truly from the inside out. We don't even need to go over rituals and routines, my love, because you just nailed it. I mean, everything <laughs> that you just said in those 10 words of the most powerful coaching you've ever received, that is your mindset. And mm-hmm. this is why you're on the show. And this is why this is the best podcast ever. Although one final <laughs> question is because I do ask everyone, how do you define fulfillment? Oh, how do I define fulfillment? You know, just just knowing that I made a difference, and I and I know it sounds like super cliche, but I'm just like sitting here in this moment, and when I know, no, everyone has a different answer. I've asked 36 guests; everyone's had a yeah. different answer, and no one has said that. Yeah, and it, what it's and the funny thing is, is that like, and, and I'll, I'll, I know that I can be wordy and verbose, so I'm going to make this as quick as possible. But it's okay, so can I? You've met your match. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. <laughs> this is going to be a seven hour podcast. Uh, it's going to be the best <laughs> the podcast best the one ever. <laughs> it's going to be a podcast boot camp. Uh, so there's there's something really interesting because I really I don't like when and and I and I it probably sounds like I'm doing this sometimes, but I really don't I don't mean to. I don't like when people demonize the ego. Right. Because in, in our in our society and especially in personal growth, it's like the ego is bad and the heart is good, or the ego is bad and service is good. Just like I said, ego versus service. Because when it's your main motivator, when ego is your main motivator, I think it's a less effective way to live. Mm. But I believe that there is some level of ego that can actually channel you into creating a lot of service. And so what I mean by that is I feel really fulfilled. My ego gets really, really stroked when I know that I've made a difference for somebody. 
So if my ego is what leads me and channels me into being of service for other people, I think that's okay. I'm okay with that. Mm. And there's a, did you ever watch the show, uh, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction on Netflix? Oh, yeah, with uh, David Letterman. With David Letterman, yeah. And, and there's the episode where he's with uh, Jerry Seinfeld. I don't yeah, know I love seen. that episode. And I actually need to go rewatch it because I haven't watched it actually since I was in Greece. We were talking about Greece the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on Netflix in Greece. And there was some part of that episode where David Letterman was, t- was talking to Jerry. And it was funny because Dave is the interviewer. And then it kind of flipped at one point and Jerry started interviewing him. But Dave said, like, you know, people say that I, you know, did all this great stuff in television. He's like, I don't think I did anything special. I just, I went on TV and I told a couple of jokes and I interviewed some people. Like, what did I do that was really that special? And, and Jerry Seinfeld's response to him was something in the realm of the fact that you think that way is what made you so great. Yes. And so that's why I think that like having like a sense of fulfillment in the work that you do, and even though that may stroke your ego a little bit, if you are, if you're going out in the world, and at least the way that I feel like I go out in the world, which maybe some people would say is unhealthy sometimes, is going out in the world and saying like, I really truly feel this deep need that I have to make a difference for people. I think that that obsession with that is exactly why I'm able to do good work in the world is because it does mean so much to me. So that's fulfillment for me is knowing that I've made some kind of difference for somebody in the world while at the same time questioning whether I actually made a difference for somebody in the world. Of course, right? They have to live simultaneously. I love that analogy. And by the way, I also love Jerry Seinfeld's other question that he posed to Dave Letterman when he's like, you know, a man over 40 and denim jeans, he's just basically screwed, right? If he has to go really cool with the skinny jeans, it just doesn't work. It's like, who do you think you are? But if it goes with the old man jeans, like the Wranglers or the Levi's, that doesn't work either. Basically, we're screwed. We can't wear any jeans. I laugh so hard. And now guess what I do? Every man over 40, I'm like, yep, he's screwed. You know, just kidding. <laughs> oh, wait, does that mean I only have one more year to wear skinny jeans? <laughs> Anyway, I had I had to do that. But I hope you're feeling really fulfilled and then you'll question whether or not you actually are. That's okay. Of course. Because I know that you've made a difference in my life already. And just, you know, our time together in person through the mastermind, through this call, you are so service-centered, so service-minded that you just can't help but get unbelievable takeaways that make you think deeply and act differently. And so for that, and, and differently, I'm meaning like just with a more consciousness, more awareness of what it's really about for you, right? And for me, it's about serving love and that is it. And, you know, if there's money to be made, great. I'm, I'm all about prosperity as well and abundance. But there's enough for everyone. And that is really, I think, at the core of how you create a competition-proof business is that there is enough for everyone. So my friend, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on and for sharing from your soul and for giving my listeners such beauty and the best podcast of all time. <laughs> the, best. the best. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure and an honor. And thank you for creating the conversations in the space you do here and with your masterminds and what you do out in the world. Uh, you're absolutely an incredible stellar human being, and I'm super grateful to be in your world. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you.